I've taken enough time there. The two preachers before me went out of, out of line. They took too much time, but I'm going to be mindful of the time, guys, but I appreciate that. I don't have those cool socks and shoes like Brother John has, but uh, I'm going to hide back here. Actually, I have that same pair of shoes. They're the most comfortable shoes I've ever worn, and I thank the Lord for it. But the socks, I don't think I could pull that off, brother. But uh, that's all right. John chapter number 4. How many of you are familiar with the story of the woman at the well? Why don't you raise your hand? It's a very familiar story. How many of you like the story? You know, there's some aspects of that story I think that I really missed out on for a great portion of my life. And I think the older you get and the more experience you have just in life, you, uh, the more people you meet, the more the stories begin to mean to you. And when I look at the, the story of the woman on the, at the well, I, I, I'm looking at it from several different angles now, angles that when I was a young boy I really didn't understand. But now I see things from a 55-year-old's view. I know I don't look that old, but thank you for your kindness. But now, now I look at that and... And I just see some things, and I want, to, I want to go through this story tonight. We're going to get to the portion that I really want to focus on, but we really have to set the, the scene, the context for what's about to happen. In John chapter number 4, in the beginning of the, the chapter, he said there in verse number 4 that he must needs go through Samaria. Now, why is that important? Because we understand that the Lord Jesus took his disciples on purpose through Sychar, through Samaria, and when they stopped at the well there in Sychar, it wasn't happenstance, it just it wasn't coincidence, it was on purpose because the Lord was doing something and he wanted his disciples to be a part of it. Now honestly, at that portion of this chapter, the disciples did not understand what the Lord was going to do. For them, it was just the shortcut to get where they were going. It was the next place of ministry was on the other side of Samaria, but they had no expectations that the Lord would be doing something when he got to Sychar. Now, when you get to the story of the woman at the well, they arrive at the well. The well is very well documented in the scripture. I won't take the time to talk about the significance of it. But Jesus sits down and the disciples say, it's time to eat. We need food. Now, it was back before DoorDash, okay, before you could order something and be delivered right there. Uh, you know, Papa John's would have been a great thing for him there, I'm sure, but that, that wasn't available at the time. So the disciples, and it's interesting, they all went. Now, I think there's some reasons for that, but they all went to get food. And they left Jesus there. I say they left Jesus. Jesus stayed behind, actually, because he knew why he was there. And he knew in that moment of time there would be a woman come out of Sychar, a woman that really a Jew had no business, a Jewish male had no business talking to. She was a woman of Samaria. She was a woman that had been married several times, was currently living with a man that was not her husband. And there was all kinds of protocols that the disciples would have been uncomfortable with in their Jewish traditions. And I think the Lord allowed them just to go off into town to get food so that he could not be distracted and so the disciples would not be as distraction to her so that he could minister to that woman. But it doesn't just stop with that woman, and that's where we're going to go tonight. He was using that one woman and her conversion and her testimony of her interaction with the Lord Jesus to reach an entire city. And when he was going to reach that entire city, the disciples would not have been in favor of that. 
Why? Because this is the Samaritan people. We can conduct business with them, but we are not to fellowship with them. We are not to befriend them. We are not to marry among them. And we're really supposed to keep them at arm's length. But when the disciples come back, and let's begin reading there in verse number uh, 30 or 27, the disciples come back right as the Lord is ending his conversation with the woman of Samaria. He has just offered her living water, and she is about to go back to her town and tell them all what happened. So in verse number 27, she just, uh, he said to her in verse number 26, I that speak unto thee am he, and that is the Messiah. Verse 27, and upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, now they just think about this, yet no man said, why talkest, or what seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? You know, they were defensive of their Messiah, their master, their rabbi. They're very defensive. They're caring for him. They even went with, in, with good intentions to meet his physical need and to give him food. But when they came back, because this conversation with this woman was coming to an end, none of them had an opportunity to interrupt because the, the work had already been done, and they come back, and all they can do is stand there and go, why is he talking to her? And then he turns to her. Let's, or, well, let's, let's read it here in verse, keep reading. Yet, uh, verse 28, the woman then left her water pot. Isn't that interesting? It's kind of like when he told Peter, launch out into the deep. They let down the one net. It almost sank both boats. They get back to the shoreline, and he said, follow me. And what did they do? They left all the fish. They'd been out all night long trying to catch fish. When they caught fish, fish didn't matter anymore because they got Jesus. That's exactly what's happening here. No longer is the water important. What's important to them, to her, is the fact that I've tasted of the living water and I'm never going to thirst again. And this water pot can just stay right here until I get back. I'm not going to fill it up and take it back. So there's a whole other message. One of these fine young men will preach it for you later. So verse number 31, and in the meantime, while his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat, she's gone. Now they said, okay, Lord, we want you to eat. And there's what Jesus said to them. He said unto them in verse number 32, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Now time out for a second because if I was one of the disciples and I had just gone to any effort at all to go into the village and to uh, acquire some type of substance for my master, for the man that I cared about and I was trying to take care of, if I'd gone to any effort and I came back to him and he said, no, I already have something, I'd be a little upset about it. I'd be like, who fed him? That's exactly what they said. Now think about this. This is the disciples. We hold them in very high regard. But this is just a reminder that they're just men. Amen? I mean, they're like passions as we have. So in verse number, uh, he said in verse number 32, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said his disciples one to another, If any man brought him ought to eat. You, see, you hear the tension in their voice? They're frustrated. Jesus saith unto them in verse number 34, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. This is a clear indication of Christ's priorities. That doing the will of his father was more important to him than whatever it was that they went to town to get and bring back for him to eat. There's a lesson right there for us as believers. 
There be, should be some times in our life that we're like, even the basic necessities, I need to be prepared to set them aside and defraud myself of my right and my privilege in order to accomplish God's will in my life. And I'll tell you a story, and this is not to make you think more of me, but this is just how it played out in my life. And several weeks ago, actually several months ago, I bought a truck. And if you know me, I like to drive trucks. I'm a big guy. And uh, I don't get to drive one very often because we're normally on the road in a Honda. But I bought this truck and, and uh, had a warranty on it, and it was just giving me problems. Well, the guy warrantied it, and so the first three times I got it back to him. I live in Cleveland. The warranty was down in Dixon. And uh, every time I'd bring it back to him, it wouldn't act up. Anybody ever seen that happen? You know, it's, anyway, I, I could go on from there, but... He said, couldn't find a problem, come get it. I wouldn't even make it back to Cleveland. It sat there for a month because I'm out on the road preaching or traveling overseas. I'd finally get back up here. I wouldn't even make it back to Cleveland. And it broke down on me three different times. Well, the last time he said, I know I got the problem fixed. No problem, come get get it. Some of you are trying to guess what kind of pickup I drive. Well, actually, I don't drive one. So there you go. I sit in one on occasion, but I don't drive very far. But anyway... I came up here just a few weeks ago, and I said, all right, he's got it fixed. I'm going to take it back home. I made it to Murfreesboro before it quit. In Murfreesboro, I mean, it just died. I'm in the middle lane of I-24 going, I'm sure the speed limit. And suddenly everything dies. No electrical, nothing. And so I, neutral, trying to work my way over to the right lane. I get all the way to the shoulder of the road. The truck fires right back up. I'm like, so what do you do? I'm going home. It needs to go back to him. So I was like, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I called the mechanic, and and thank God he picked up. And he said, well, just don't use the cruise. And I'm like, I think that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. But okay. So I didn't use the cruise, and I kept on going down the road. And in Manchester, I'm going through Manchester, one of the exits right before Manchester, and the truck just quit. Nothing would happen. I coasted off the entrance ramp, and I'm sitting there at the end of the entrance ramp. There's nobody behind me, and I said, okay, Lord, I'm halfway between Dixon and Cleveland. My wife's at a ladies' retreat. What am I supposed to do? Well, the day before, on my way up to get my truck, I'd taken groom's transportation. You know, they'd come up to Fort Campbell now. And uh, they go to the airport. So I rode from Chattanooga all the way to Clarksville. Dad picked me up at exit 11. Well, I get in the car, I get in the van, and the lady comes around the van. It's like 5.30 in the morning. And she said, uh, hey, do you mind sitting up front? There's other passengers. She said, do you mind sitting up front? I like to talk. And I'm like, okay. I was kind of expecting a nice quiet ride, read a book, lean against the window, whatever. But I like to talk. And she wasn't kidding. She really liked to talk. Well, we started up I-24, and she asked that question that always stops everything. So what do you do for a living? And I went, here we go. I don't know where it's going to go, but here we go. And Lisa, she said, uh, she said, a preacher. She said, hmm, and she was quiet. Well, I learned a long time ago, let the silence sit there for a minute before you try to fill the space. And I said, what do you mean? What, what's that mean to you, Lisa? She said, well, I used to be in, told me the name of a church, different denomination. She said, and she said, I got divorced, and they kicked me out of the church, and I just gave up on religion. 
She said, for the next 15 years, I went country to country, and she named Myanmar, Burma, Indonesia. She named a lot of Eastern Asian countries. She said, searching to find a religion that was true. Now, she kept talking for a while, and here's the funny thing. We got to just south of Manchester, and the interstate was closed due to a fatal accident. And so instead of having, being in the car with her for three and a half hours, I was in the car or in the van with her and these other passengers for five hours. And so I began to peel back the layers of her life and her seeking in order to introduce her to the God of heaven. You know, I brought her to this story right here. I said, unfortunately, there are some folks that think that things in your past prevent you from the grace of God. I said, but did you understand that when Jesus sat down with that very Jesus there beside the well in Sychar, that he knew for a fact she had been divorced five times and was living with someone else? And he really didn't say anything to her except for, I have what you need, and it's living water, and he offered it to her. And I saw her begin to quiver as she drove up the road. Now, that terrifies me because she's driving. But until I got out of the van in Clarksville, I had open dialogue with her. You say, did she get saved? No. There was a lot of layers. There was a lot of of hurt that had to be overcome. But I did my best to convince her that the God of heaven cares about her. You know, I got out of the van and I gave her my card and I said, Lisa, and here's the thing. The whole time, the passengers in the back were getting preached to and they didn't pay for that. The other thing was, she's on video the entire time she's driving. It's a live feed to the home office, and whoever's watching her drive, they're hearing about it. So I was thinking later, man, Lord, you've got a weird sense of humor. I'm preaching to people like I'm on the radio, and I don't even know who it is. But I got out of the van, and and she had to go. She had to be at Fort Campbell. She had a schedule. I said, on the back of my card is my phone number. I said, Lisa, I'd really love to talk to you some more about that. And two weeks later, she, she, she contacted me. I think it was a text. My wife and I read it together, and she said, I ride with people all the time. I have passengers that need what you were telling me, and I want to give them your information. Can I give them your information? I said, absolutely, Lisa. So that was on the way up here to get the truck. So the whole time I'm on the way up here to get the truck, I went, well, Lord, now I know why I broke down. That's how the Lord does it in my life. I spend a lot of time on the shoulder of the road, amen, and I look for God to work. So I'm on my way back, and the truck quits again. Get to Manchester. I said, I'm sitting there going, Lord, I know I'm not being inconvenienced. It's a pretty day. I have nothing else to do. So why am I here? So somebody pulled up next to me and they said, do you need some help? And I said, not yet. You say, well, that's a strange response. Well, that was honest. I was still praying. I wasn't sure. And so I zoomed out on my map and there was a wrecker service on the other side of the interstate. I couldn't see it. It was just over the other side. And the Lord said, call them. So I called this wrecker service and this guy named Tony answered the phone. He said, I'll be right there. I'll get you off the road. We'll work something out. So we got off the road, he pulled, me, he pulled up in his rollback, hooked a chain to my truck, just pulled me out of the road, pulled me over in front of his shop, and he's standing there with me as I'm thinking about what I'm going to do, because he just told me what it would cost me to tow it from there to anywhere I wanted to go, and I was still trying to get my breath. And I said, uh, he said, but I can't do it right now anyway, I'm on call with the state. He said, what do you do for a living? 
okay. I said, Tony, I work with the military. I travel all over the world telling folks that are serving our great country that there's a God in heaven that loves them and he cares about them. And he just stopped. And he stu- he's standing right next to me, and he was, I was leaned against my truck, and he walked over closer to me. And that's kind of strange. Men don't do that. It wasn't uncomfortably close, but he noticeably moved closer to me. And I said, uh, what's on your mind, Tony? He said, 20 years, I was Air Force Special Forces. He said, I really like what you're doing. Amen. Haul my truck home. Amen. (laughs) I didn't say that out loud. I, I think it did go across my brain. I said, Tony, are you in church? He said, man, if you'd seen some of the things I've seen around the world done in the name of religion. He said, I don't know what's true anymore. I said, Tony, I, I, I hear you. I'm sorry that you have seen the things that you've seen done in the name of a God who's not a true God. I said, the God of heaven sent his son to die on the cross. I said, have you heard of him? His name's Jesus. He said, I've heard of him. He said, I've had a neighbor for, that's a preacher. He's been trying to get me to church for a long time. And I didn't ask him what kind of church it was. I just wanted to hear his story. You know, I sat there and talked to him and talked to him and talked to him. And before long, Tony bowed his head. And I said, okay, Lord. Now I know why the truck wouldn't, why the truck died. Now I know why I'm at exit 97 in the middle of nowhere. Now I know why I had today free. Now I know why I wasn't in a rush. I was right where I needed to be at the right time. You know, when I read this story, the disciples weren't on that page. The disciples were inconvenienced by hunger. They missed an opportunity that God gave them. They had good intentions, and they were missing the opportunity. And then the Lord addresses it this way. This lady's gone. We'll read what happened in the town. I'm not going to keep you much longer, but I want you to see this before we go. In verse number 34, he said, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Listen to this. Say not ye, there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. For so long I have thought about, and I was preaching in West Kentucky today, so as I'm driving up through West Kentucky, it's all fields. They're, all, they're ready to plant corn and other crops. They're getting ready. The machinery's getting ready. They're, why are they doing that? Because in September and October, they want to reap a harvest. So there's some preparation that's going into place right now. But he's saying to them, you don't have to wait till September and October to have a harvest. You don't have to wait till you get through Samaria to the next place in a Jewish colony in a synagogue in order to see a harvest. There's a harvest right here before you. And this is what it's amazing. Look at verse number 39. The whole time he's having this conversation with the disciples, this lady's gone back to Sychar, and she's been telling him, come see a man that told me everything about me. And many of the Samaritans of that city, verse number 39, that city, many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him. Listen, for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever I did. Now, that's her testimony and the impact of her testimony. 
The one that just went to get water and the Lord Jesus gave her living water, she dropped her water pot and said, I found this Messiah. He's right out of here at the well. Many believe there. But listen to what, look at the next verse. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. In the moments that he was instructing the disciples to look out under the fields that are white unto harvest, you know what he was looking at? He's looking at this mass of humanity that's coming out of the city of Sychar to come see this man that this woman had told them about, and they all wanted to see him for themselves. And when he said, look under the fields, there's a group of people coming out of the city that they weren't expecting God to do anything. They weren't expecting Christ to minister to them. They're coming at him, and he's saying, right there's our harvest. You don't have to wait until we get down there. Now let's look what happens later in this verse. Verse number 40, 40 again. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own words. So some believed because of the testimony of this woman. Some believed because of the testimony and the preaching of the Lord himself. And said, in verse number 42, and said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now after two days he departed thence and went into Galilee. It would be very easy for his disciples right there in that moment of time saying, Finally, we get to go to Galilee. And if that was their heart, they missed the important part of the lesson. He said, no, Galilee's on my calendar, but I must needs go through Samaria because there's a group of people in Sychar that are ready to hear the message. And the key to this entire city is a woman that a lot of people really don't even want me to talk to. And the Lord used her. One point to the message tonight. There's actually been several, but one point. Who is in your path tomorrow that God put there that you don't need to look past? You need to call a timeout to your daily routine and say, this is why I'm here. I'm 55. This year, I'm 54. I keep telling myself I'm 55 just so I can be prepped for it. 54. There's 168 hours in a week. How many of those periods of time do I have left? I don't know. But if it takes an inconvenience of a broken down truck, which is for sale if anybody's interested, <laughs> that's almost true. I hope it's fixed. I'm driving it home this week, so pray for me. I don't know how many more of those windows of opportunity I have, but if there's another Lisa out there, there's another Tony out there, there's another Junior out there, and I'm naming off folks that God has brought across my path that I wasn't looking for, but God brought them into my life and they've gotten saved because I introduced them to the only one that can help them, and his name is Jesus. But I'm not in your world. I'm not in your circle. I don't work where you work. I don't shop where you shop. I don't buy gas where you buy gas. I don't bank where you bank. But you do. The question is, who's in your path that God has put your name on them and he's depending on you? Adam, 
you're going to Connecticut, you've got some reasons for it. But when I hear that, there's somebody in Connecticut that's waiting for Adam and Katie. They need you in their life. I've been to Connecticut. There's a lot of them up there that need you, that need the Lord. And I say that jokingly, but the truth is there's folks everywhere. On your move up there, there's somebody on that move up there in between here in Connecticut that just needs somebody that's willing to step outside of their comfort zone and say, let me tell you about a man who's changed me from the inside out and he means the world to me and his name's Jesus. My friend, are you willing to listen to the Lord and allow him to just kind of bump you out of your comfort zone and give you an opportunity? Are you willing to do that? Then let's tell him tonight. Let's bow our heads. Our Lord, we come to you tonight in our, our heart's desire. Lord, is not to miss opportunities that you've given us. Lord, there, I know there's more message on my page that I could give and even an outline. But Lord, I feel like you're, you're done. And Lord, I feel like there are some folks here that they get it. Lord, I I looked into the eyes of folks in this room tonight, and when I said the harvest is right here in front of us, I could see that they saw it. Lord, I pray that every person in this room tonight would see tomorrow as a grand opportunity to do something eternal for our Lord and Savior. Lord, we don't have to do it on our own. We do it under your power and by your grace and under your direction. But, Lord, as they make themselves available to you tonight, I pray that you just reach down, embrace their shoulders, and say, come with me. And, Lord, that they would experience what I've been able to experience even in these last few weeks. And, Lord, we'll give you the honor and the glory for it. Now, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, let me 